0: I'll never forget, when I was in rehab for addiction, every week they would gather us up, and they would put us in a van, and they would drive us to what they would call a recovery meeting, and uh, it was actually the first, I I remember the first one I ever went to, and it was quite depressing, I'm just going to be honest with you, it was, I didn't know what to expect, and we get in this room, and there's people sharing, and they're sharing not good stories, but some rough stories, like, this person is all of a sudden today homeless. And this person, their family doesn't speak to them and their kids don't speak to them. And this person, they don't have a job and they had this job and that, that job and they keep losing it. And I remember hearing these stories and turning to a guy that was with me and I, I looked at him and I said, man, these people are messed up. And he, And he looks at me and he says, you do realize you're in a drug rehab for uh, drug addiction, right? I said, Yeah, yeah, I get that. But did you hear that one, dude? I mean, he's got problems, you know? It was, it was always like someone else's deal. I know that most people here, you're probably not maybe in addiction. You probably don't know, you, you may not know the 12 steps of recovery. Most people don't. I, uh, I'm excited about this series because it's going to be so good for all of us. The series that we're starting today is called Overcoming Hurts, Habits, and hang-ups. Now, I'm sure you probably don't have any of those, but maybe someone next to you does. Don't elbow them. But I, uh, I believe that there's a few of us that have those. And the, what you're gonna, I'm gonna give you a, a brief history on the steps of recovery. And I mean, real brief, like 30 seconds. The the 12 steps of recovery. Uh, two guys who started Alcoholics Anonymous in I think 1935. They they came up with these 12 steps. But they weren't original to them. The ideas for those steps actually originated from a Christian organization. Um, They're actually biblical steps. And the Christian group was called the Oxford Group. Uh, Started in, I think, 1921 by a guy named Frank Buckman. And he realized something very quick about our hurts, habits, and hang-ups. There's a solution, but the solution isn't worldly. The solution is otherworldly. In fact, this is what he said the guy who started the Oxford group. He said, I believe that fear and selfishness are the root of our societal problems, and I further believe the solution is to surrender one's life over to God's plan. So this Oxford group came up with these practical steps, these principles, and then the dudes who started AA, they took those and kind of formed 12 steps out of those. But in this series... I'm gonna, we're going to look at one, like, practical step a week from, from the group who got them from the Word of God. Like, I'll give them to you so you know what's coming today and you know what's coming this week. They're, they're huge. These are the four practical steps that were centered on the steps that, that evolved. So, number one, surrender. Say surrender. Yeah. Fully surrender our life, past, present, and future, into God's keeping and direction. Number two, sharing. Say sharing sharing share our sins our temptations our secrets kind of a confession with another person and to do so help us recognize and acknowledge our mess ups our sins number three squaring say squaring squaring up we make restitution we make things right for the things that we've done wrong and finally last but not least serving say serving hey just so you know those four steps all didn't start with S, like I did that. So pastors are good at that. So serving, relying on God's guidance and carrying it out in everything we say and we do. This is so huge. Now, at this point, you're hearing some things about recovery. You're hearing some things about AA and the 12 steps. and You might be thinking, man, this isn't really for me. I wish my boss was here. I wish my spouse was here. Wish my ex was here. Actually, I don't want my ex here. But, you know, you get it. It's, it's for somebody else. Well, if you're thinking maybe that, let me share one more thing with you about recovery. It's way bigger than alcohol or drugs. It is it, So do, do any of these resonate with you? Anger. Abuse. Past hurt. Codependency. Trauma. Mental illness. Grief. Shame. Relational conflict. Certainly I've touched on something that touches you, and if I haven't, how about this? Life issues, right? Just issues with life in general. What you may not know, and I'll touch on this more at the end, but at Meadows, we have a a life recovery uh, ministry. It is incredible. It actually just uh, surfaced a few weeks ago, started, and it happens right here at the church, covers every one of those things and more that I just read off. It is incredible. 6.30, uh, child care, 2 to 12 years old, 6.30 at the church on Thursday nights. It is, well, more on that later. Do me one, for, one more favor. Turn to your neighbor or someone close to you and say, surrender. Yeah, t- tell your neighbor. I'll tell the other one you ignored, the one you just ignored. Tell them, surrender. Surrender. So, the first step, if you look at the 12 steps of recovery, the first step is It'll seem almost comical. But the very first step is this. Realize I'm not God. Right? There's a shocker, right? Realize I'm not God. We admit we're powerless over our tendency to do the wrong thing. And that my life, in some areas, in some capacities, maybe more than we would like to admit, have, has become unmanageable. Realize I'm not God. As I look at the 12 steps, you can easily see that they were derived, a lot of them, from a Sermon on the Mount, we call it. It's, it's Matthew, really, 5 through 7. It's a teaching from Jesus. And like this, for example, look at like Matthew 5, 3, based on that first step. God blesses those who are poor in spirit and realize what? Their need for him. Realize, I'm not him. I need him. They realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. This is what I need you to know if you don't hear anything else, hear this. To overcome your issues, to overcome your problems, you have to first admit you have a problem. That's the the key. To overcome your problem, you must first admit that you have a problem. I Like, the book that I've completed, it's now in the editing process. I'm so excited. But the premise of that book is to tell the world that recovery isn't just for the addict or the alcoholic, but it's for every one of us. And it also tells the story of my dysfunctional life, which is quite the trip. But in the book, I tell a story about Slash, the famed guitarist from Guns N' Roses, and Charlie Sheen. I I maybe have shared it here before, too. But it's just, this is how crazy we are. Those two, known for their partying, we're partying together, right? They're on a bender, days-long bender, drinking and drugging and doing what they do. And into, the, into days into it, Slash leans into Charlie and says, dude, you got to get some help. I mean, okay, when Slash tells you you got a problem, you have a problem. You should run to rehab. Do, do not pass go. Do not collect 100. Run. It, it's, it's so funny, but listen to me. We have the amazing capacity, don't we, to function in our dysfunction. Right? Everybody else can see in our lives, man, you're messed up, but we can't see it. What, what, what's a normal scene to us is obscene to somebody else. What's normal in our lives is very abnormal to other people looking in. This, this is so, the perfect story for this is Samson in the Bible, found in the book of Judges in the Old Testament. He was, he was a judge, hence you know, the, the, the name he's found in. Samson, some of you already know, right? If you grew up in church, you already know Samson, the buff dude with the long hair. God had, had selected him at a young age for Samson to be set apart, to do things for God, and, and, and to be powerful and have strength. But, but in order to do those great things and have that power, he couldn't cut his hair. Like his hair was the source of his strength and power. It makes me think about like my mullet in high school. It was like the source of my, I just, the women were just drawn to, as far as you know, they were just drawn to it. Listen to me. You know your mullet is serious when, true story, I'm embarrassed to say it, when you go into the hairstylist and you tell them just perm the back. I mean, that's sad. You You want to see a picture? You never will. It's buried deep within the earth. Yeah, I mean, you never, (laughs) perm the back? What is, oh my gosh, thank God for his grace. So the reason Samson's story is so amazing because Samson, even though he was this buff, powerful man, was powerless. Not over drugs, not over alcohol. That wasn't his issue. You know what his issue was? His emotions. His, His anger, we talked about that. His selfishness. This was his problem that he couldn't see himself. His, his actions were so bad. I'll kind of fast forward the story a little bit for you. Samson, first of all, he marries the enemy. He mar- the Philistines are the enemy of the Israelites at this time. And he, he chooses a wife that's a Philistine, which was not a good choice. So he sets off with a poor decision. And then, based on a series of bad decisions and angry decisions and emotional decisions, eventually his wife gets killed and his father, father-in-law gets killed. Because of him. Now, it, it, you would think at this point, you've lost people you love. Samson, you've lost your wife. You've lost your father-in-law. At this point, certainly you would see you, have, you need God. Certainly you can acknowledge that you're messed up. But Samson doesn't. See, that's what, that's what pride, which I'll get into in a second, does. Samson doubles down on, on his own emotions and his own anger. Listen to this. In Judges 15, 7. This is after his wife is dead, after his father-in-law is dead. Samson says to the enemy, "Because you did this, I'll take revenge on you. I won't stop until I'm satisfied." Just look at that. Look at the selfishness and the "I" in that statement. I won't stop. I'm going to keep going. How many of you have been there, or maybe you're there? I have. It's like I'm. I'm not going to stop. My dysfunction is going to keep going. Heck, I got to the point where I not only I wouldn't stop, I couldn't stop. And, and like Samson, my life was out of control. And I think the worst thing about a life out of control is still thinking you're in control. It's Still believing that you're in control when you're not. That was Samson. And his issue, if you really want to know what it was, I mentioned it earlier. Selfishness was an issue. Anger was an issue. Emotion was an issue. But at the center of it was pride. Pride was the Achilles heel. Heck, that's the sin that got the devil kicked out of heaven. It's a big one. And pride actually blinds you to the truth. Did you know that? I mean, here's Samson, buff guy, strong guy, yet weak. Why? I mean, you're only as strong as you are honest. I'm going to say that again. You're only as strong as you are honest. Pride. I wrote down Pride convinces me and you that we deserve it, right? That I can beat it, that I'm better than you or I'm better than it. That's what pride does. The Bible is really clear about what pride does. Pride left unchecked, well, Proverbs 29, 23. Pride goes before destruction. Pride goes before the fall. Satan would fall from heaven like lightning, as would one-third of the angels that are now demons, if you don't know that story, pride. I, 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 deserve, I deserve what God has. Heck, I deserve to be God. I don't need God. I, I am God. Remember our first step? Realize I'm not God. When I, was, when I was in my addiction, listen, I knew I was addicted. But if you were to talk to me a, a, and say, you know, you're, you're a drug addict, I'd be like, I ain't no drug addict. I ain't walking around the streets, needle in my arm. That's not me. I got, I got a job, a good job. I have a beautiful family, a wife, kids, right? A beautiful home. Everything appeared good on the outside. Aren't we good at that? Especially in church, right? We get cleaned up. Kids behave just for an hour and then you can go crazy. You know, it's just, it's what we, we, we just play the part sometimes. Everything looked good on the outside. But I like to say it this way, just because your life looks good on the outside, doesn't mean you're not dead on the inside. Sam yeah, it's Samson. As I mean, OT sexiest man alive, Samson. He was looking good. If anybody looked good on the outside, it was Samson. On the inside, decay had set in. And Samson's demise would not be far off. Samson, because of emotions, would ultimately have his hair cut and lose his power. Samson would be captured because of his dysfunction and his issues, life issues, he would be captured by the enemy, eyes gouged out. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a, a pretty graphic scene if you read the entire story, which I would recommend you do. It's crazy. You know how it ended for Samson? He, he, he talks to God in Judges 16, 38. Lo- now he's finally praying to God. He's seeing the light. He has no eyes, but he's finally seeing the light. Sovereign Lord, Samson, in his struggle, in his prison, remember me again, God. Please, strengthen me one more time. God, just do me this one thing. It's like Samson, you're, just before he dies, he finally admits it. He finally admits his need for God. He cries out to God. And God, even though God gives him one more feat of strength, Samson would never live the plan and purpose God had for him. Samson would never achieve all that God had in store for him. Why not? Because he wouldn't surrender. He wouldn't admit, I've got a problem. I've got issues. Pride blinded him to the truth. The the reality is, by now, many of you know, you already know, you got issues, right? Some of you, before you even walked in the door, before you clicked play on the podcast, you knew you had issues. Others, you might be like I was or like Samson was, and you're, you're maybe better at masking it. I mean, you know you're messed up, but from the outside, when a stranger or even a family member scrolls through your Instagram, looks good. I mean, the, the vacation looks good, the friends, the family, the smiling, the laughing, you're holding the latte with the foam with the little heart. How do they do that? It's so cool. I don't know. So, But everything looks good. But then you wonder why, even though your Facebook feed looks the way it does, you lay in bed at night wondering, how did it get so messed up? I don't know if you're there. I've been there. Samson was there. Many people have been there and are there. Look up here. The first step in getting set free is realizing you're not free. It's admitting the problem like we're talking about. Admitting that you've allowed things or people into your life that you know you shouldn't have. Admitting that you're powerless over your dysfunctional behavior. That you're in a cage and you can't get out. Why? It's because you will never overcome what you don't acknowledge. But, but, if you're serious about pursuing God's plan and truly want him to change you, I've got good news for you. He will meet you wherever you're at, right here, right now, at home, in your car, in your living room. He'll meet you. He will meet you, hopefully sooner than later. I've had this moment, I wish it was just one time, but I've had it more than once. A moment where I I yell out to God and I cry to God, I can't do this. One time driving in my car down 41st Street. Some of you have heard that story. Just a dead man. I'm like, God, I can't do this. At work, things are crumbling. God, I can't do this. At home, I'm hurting the people that I love. God, I can't do this. Internally, mentally, emotionally, physically, I feel like I'm dead. God, I can't do this. And even though in those moments, I didn't have a white flag, if I would have, it would have looked like this. I would have been waving it and telling God, I can't do this. I can't do that. Like God, I can't win. Some of you, even hearing those words resonate. It's like, you ever fight a fight and you're like, for some reason, the more that I fight, the, the farther I go backwards. I'll, I'll tell you one reason why. Because the enemy that you face is, is bigger than you. The enemy that you and I face is way stronger than you, way stronger than Samson. In Ephesians, listen to this, what the word of God says. In Ephesians six twelve. this is the enemy you face. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Oh, it looks like the spouse is the enemy or your kids at the moment or the ex or the boss, but it isn't. We fight against evil rulers and authorities of an unseen world. A world that is very more real than you can realize. Against mighty powers in a dark world. Against evil spirits in heavenly places. How many here, certainly you've seen one of these. You've seen one of the Rocky movies. How many here have seen one of the Rockies? There's 14 of them. Certainly you've seen. Okay, I'm going to ask again. How many have seen one of the Rocky movies? My gosh. For the, how? I'm going to point you guys out right now. Repent! Pray with the prayer team afterwards and then go home and get on whatever it is that streams those. Because, my gosh, this church is more lost than I thought. Lord! Um, come on! Well, I'll, I'll, for those of you that haven't seen it, I'll clue you in a little bit. In Rocky 4, which may be my favorite, Rocky is going against a huge Russian named Drago. This Russian is a machine. Way more, I mean he would he would him and samson would probably be a good cage match drago is is they know he's unbeatable and for the first time adrian rocky's wife realizes her husband can't do it they have this they have this banter on the staircase i remember it and they're going back and forth and she's trying to talk sense into rocky she's like you've seen what this guy can do and, you know, Rocky's like, oh, I don't know what he says, <laughs> but you get hit in the head that many times, and you know, you're going to have trauma. So, um, but she's like, you've seen what they can do. You've seen what the papers are saying. You go in the ring and it's suicide. And then finally, Adrienne yells, you can't win. And it's just silent. I would say to you today and you watching or listening, you can't win on your own here's some good news you don't have to win because Jesus already has Jesus has won the goal for for you today for us today the goal was never to win for you or me that's why God sent his son the goal isn't to win the goal is to surrender this is the goal This is the goal to give it to God. God, I'm not you. I play you. I do a bad job. I'm not you. I want you to get to know Jesus more. You're going to see a picture of him in a few minutes as people declare their faith out loud through baptism. Jesus, he lived like no one else lived. He taught like no one else taught. He walked like no one else walked. He, he was, he was, I, I like to call him, he was such an upside-down king. Everybody thought the Messiah would be like a Samson. That's what they would expect. They would expect a, a, a big, beautiful, ripped man, a warrior that's gonna lead them over Rome. The Messiah, the, the anointed one that the Jews have been waiting for. That's, that's the picture in their head. And here comes Jesus. Oh, he's a warrior. You just read scripture, you'll see that more than Samson ever was. But he was so different. One time he's talking to the crowd. And, and listen to what he says. See if you catch it. He says in Luke 9.23, if any of you, just picture, picture it like you're in the crowd right now. You're on the hillside right now. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Surrender. Take up your cross daily. Surrender. And follow me, not you. Surrender. Me. And then you want to talk about something upside down? Listen to his next statement. If you hang on to your life, you'll lose it. You'll lose. You won't win. But if you give your life up, if you give your life up, surrender. For my sake. You win. You'll save your life. Not just the world you live in today. It's, this world's not your home. Hell or heaven is your home. That's where you're going to go for trillions of years. Jesus just said, turn to me. Believe in me. Follow me. Lose what you want. Lose what your interest, because my interest for you are better. My wants for you are better. My life for you is better. This is what Jesus wants. It's so crazy the way he talks. You don't need to win. You just need to surrender. Oh, by the way, waving the white flag... It's not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength. I came to tell somebody today to listen to this. He, God, his power is way greater than your pain or your past. God's, God's grace is way greater than your guilt. And God's Son, Jesus Christ, is greater than any hurt, habit, or hang-up you will ever face. It's time to wave the white flag and say, God, I have nothing figured out, but you have everything figured out. This is your next step. It'll be the biggest step you ever take. Life recovery is going to be our biggest ministry outside. And one day it'll probably outgrow the weekend service. It's because everybody standing here and everybody watching online has issues. Life recovery, recovering from life. Thursday, 6.30 to 8 in the church. I, uh, I'm i going to invite the people that are getting baptized, half are this service, half are the next. As they, as they walk up here, I want you to watch the video. But as that's happening, the host team will be in the aisles and they're going to pass a a bucket with a white flag in it. I'd just like you to grab one. And every time you look at it, wherever you place it, you're going to remember, I am weak, but he is strong. When I lose to him, I win. The first step in overcoming my problem is to admit, I've got a problem. So... With that said, I invite the people that are getting baptized to come up. And as they do, would you check out the screen and watch this? Hi, my name's uh, Jeff Thompson, and uh, I've been attending Meadows for about a year and a half. Knowing that Jesus is, is there with me, uh, always, walking with me no matter how things are going, you know, through the darkest times, through the joys, through the sorrows, and, and knowing that, that God sacrificed his son for me. For, for my salvation um, through the blood of Jesus on the cross means, means everything. My next step in my spiritual journey is adult baptism um, and really allowing the Holy Spirit to, to further come into my life and, and be within me.
1: Hi, my name is Chris. Um, Jesus has changed my life by bringing more meaning, you know, purpose and peace into my life. And I can feel with him in my life that I can accomplish anything with him in it. Uh, I want to be baptized because uh, I know that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and uh, I want to surrender my life to Him. Hi, my name's Russell. I'm 35, and Jesus has changed my life by giving me an ultimatum. When I was tied up in addiction, homelessness, and drugs, I didn't see my kid, that I found the help I needed by praying to Him and just coming to church, uh, taking more part in my faith, studying learning more about Him, and just putting more of my trust in Him. I wanna be baptized because I feel like it's my choice. I've become closer to Jesus and I feel like surrendering my life to him is the most important thing in my life right now. Hi, my name is Morgan. Um, Jesus has changed my life in so many ways. Um, this past year alone, he has blessed me in so many ways, becoming a future wife um, at the end of the year, bringing a son into the world here in a couple months um, and then just, you know, learning to be a better version of myself because of him. I want to be baptized because I know He is my Lord and Savior. Um, Beyond that, bringing my son into this world, I do want to set the precedence that, uh, you know, as long as we have Him, we have everything, and then as a family we can learn to be better because of Him. Hi, my name is Paige. Um, Jesus has changed my life by uh, helping me read the Bible and pray more, and baptism means to me that you're declaring to others that you believe in Jesus. I want to be baptized because I feel like I'm ready and I believe in Jesus. Hi, my name is Tyler Booms. Uh, I would say Jesus has changed my life by just helping me to grow
0: uh, as a person and as an individual. He's helped me become the best person of myself and helping me to kind of find my purpose. I want to be baptized because this past December was one of the most difficult uh, months of my adult life, um, and I'm just looking to kind of reestablish uh, my faith uh, again, and just going back about into my purpose
1: and giving Him the glory that He deserves. My name is uh, Matt, and uh, Jesus has changed my life uh, just by my uh, overall outlook on life and uh, what we're here for, and just uh, getting to know Him in the Word, and everything uh, that that brings me more joy than uh, anything that the world can possibly offer and uh, the reason why I want to get baptized is for what he did for not only not only all of us on the cross but also just for, uh, for me and then also just the way that he's uh, completely turned my life around in the past three months hi my name is Davea Jesus has changed my life because he's helped me view the world differently like that I'm not here for myself and I'm here to serve others and he's helped me realize my own value and just given me more joy and I'm getting baptized today because I was baptized as a kid but I didn't really understand the reason why I was getting baptized so now that I'm old enough I want to strengthen my relationship with God and also just grow my relationship and show that this is my commitment to God. My name is Vincent and Jesus changed my life by making me pay attention more and he made me nicer to people than I was, and I just wanna get baptized and being closer to God and Jesus. My name is Victoria, and Jesus has changed my life by giving me more of a sense of what's right and wrong. I wanna get baptized because I wanna take that next step towards Jesus, show my devotion to Him. Hi, my name is Brianna. Jesus has changed my life by the way my relationship is, and how I really think about the world and the Lord, because I was in the world's perspective at first, and then now I'm in Jesus' perspective. Hello,
0: my name is Erwin Bartolo Antonio, and Jesus changed my life by being able to smile again and not take life so serious, and just being around good people um, of His community. I want to get baptized because everything good that has happened to me is because of God, but at the same time, everything that hasn't gone so great is also because of God. But it's not because He's trying to punish me. It's just because He's always giving me lessons. And just being so grateful about that is such a gift. But I don't know any other way of saying thank you than to just getting baptized.
1: Hi, my name is Dallas Rivera, and Jesus changed my life. He's made me a better person inside and outside, but I want to get baptized because, because I want to pursue my life with God. Hi, I'm Brianna. I have noticed that Jesus has impacted my life in numerous ways in one. He really helped me through my parents' divorce when I was younger. He just has always supported me even though I haven't made the best life decisions. He's always been there for me, and I can't count how many times he's saved my life. I wanna be baptized because I just wanna grow in my faith. I went to youth group a lot when I was a kid, and that really helped a lot too. And when I got older, I grew out of it, and I got busy with work and school and things like that. But I really wanna grow in my faith now that I'm in my middle 30s almost. And I just, I don't wanna wait another day to, have this happen.
0: Hi, my name is Joey. Jesus Christ has changed my life by opening my heart and showing me that God is all I need. I wanna be baptized because I wanna prepare for following God's will.
1: Uh, My name's Lexi and Jesus has changed my life by opening my eyes to what he has created around me. Like he has created like the sparrows and the trees and he takes care of them. And that just made me realize that He takes care of me and I don't have to worry about what the future holds. I wanna get baptized because I know that God has been pushing me for this is my next step in my relationship with Him. And I've always been wondering like, hey, God, what do I do next? Like, how can I deepen our relationship? And He's always like, baptism. I'm like, ugh, I don't know. But now I know that I'm ready to get baptized and go out into society knowing god's plan for me and that i can act upon it hi my name is cheryl and um, i was raised in church i knew of jesus i knew of god but it was a sunday thing i went home and i lived my life for me jesus has changed my life in this past i would say last eight months just because I now know who he is. I've had an encounter with him. I lost my father in 2019. Uh, I moved back here from Virginia to take care of him. So I got to know him a little bit better and he had completely changed. He was now a man of God, a true man of God, Monday through Sunday. So when he passed, it was hard, but it made me lean on Jesus. I've been baptized before, but like I said, I live my life for me, so now I want to get baptized because I want to surrender completely to Jesus. I want to be obedient in every aspect of my life and surrender all to him. I'm just thankful for Meadows Church ha- as my family.
0: Life change in action. Everybody standing up here, they've already, they've already given their life to Jesus. Today they declare it through baptism. They're doing it because Jesus said to do it, and they're also doing it because they want to celebrate with you. They also know there's an unseen world on both sides that watch. One laments and is upset, and I relish that. We relish that. One celebrates in heaven all the angels rejoicing. Before we do their declaration, they're going to give a declaration out loud. They already have done this. They're doing it for your benefit so you can hear what they've committed to, who they've given their life to. We'll go through a few questions that they'll answer audibly out loud. I just want to go back to you for a second and you watching online and you listening. As you watch what's about to happen, know that God's not done with you. Know that God's got a plan for you. I believe wholeheartedly that there's people here today that you believe God has given up on you. God doesn't want nothing to do with you. God is mad at you or disgusted with you. I'll tell you something. Jesus thinks pretty highly of you. In fact, according to Scripture, he thinks you're to die for. That's what he thinks. And that's what he did. The people standing behind me weren't saved because they... Prayed a prayer and then just kept living their life on their terms. They weren't saved because they finally did enough good things where they reached the top rung of the ladder and they made it into the pearly gates. They weren't saved because they memorized enough scripture or went to enough church or checked enough boxes. They were saved because they called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They realized they weren't God and they desperately needed him. Specifically his son, Jesus. He's the key to salvation. I always ask my kids, how are you saved? How do you go to heaven? And when they say, well God, I said, you gotta be more specific. There's billions of people in hell today that believed in God. The son of God, Jesus Christ, the savior of the world, God in the flesh is the only way They've called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They knew. You, were, you knew you were messed up. You're like, I can't do this. I need, a, I need saving. Remember me? I, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. You, you said, basically, I can't do it. Jesus already did. The cross, Jesus did it. The empty tomb, Jesus did it. And I love to say it. If a man can take a blood-stained cross and turn it into an empty tomb... Don't you think he could do something miraculous in you? He's doing it in them. And they're going to declare it. I pray with everything in me that you will do whatever the Lord tells you to do today by the power of the Holy Spirit, that that many will surrender their life. Mark it on the card so we know and celebrate with you. Tell us online. You'll pray with the prayer team afterwards. You'll bring your white flag to wherever you need to bring it so it's in front of you. I also think it'd be cool, like, when they get baptized, I I need you to scream and yell every baptism we're going to celebrate like crazy, but that'd be cool if you're waving the flag. What a scene. We surrender to the Lord. When we lose, we win. So, with all that said, that was for you. You've already been there. You've already done that. You've been saved by Jesus Christ. Today you declare it. There's three questions that I'm going to ask just for the benefit of the church in the global church, that they can hear and you're going to answer, I do. I'll prompt you. This is so good. Do you believe? Do you believe that God is the one and only God? The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and all that ever is and shall be flows from his almighty hand. If you believe that, say, I do. Do you believe? Now, here's the key. Well, it's all key, but Jesus. Nothing happens without Jesus. Do you believe in his son, Jesus Christ? That he was sent from God, that he was crucified, dead as dead could be on a cross, but he didn't stay dead? That three days later, the King of kings and the Lord of lords brought himself back to life, ascended into heaven, and now sits at the right hand of the Father? If you believe that, say, I do. I do. Finally. Do you believe in his holy spirit? That when you confess Christ as your lord and savior, accept him as lord of your entire life, that the holy spirit came into your life, actually came into you physically to guide you, convict you, counsel you, teach you the ways of God. If you believe that, say I do church. I need you to get loud. We got people getting baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. You guys. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today, but don't stop there. Like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. And not only that, share this message with a friend or somebody that you know. So many people out there need hope and encouragement, and you have the ability to bring that to them. Finally, if you're in the Omaha area, we would love to have you join us. We would love to meet you. God bless you.